Hello to everyone tuning in. We're a Boston Celtics fan site that covers everything Celtics from the latest trade rumor to that other trade rumor to the Nets pick and how exactly Danny Ainge got his free Chipotle for lifeguard. No one knows, honestly. The Midweek Pod covers all the same topics our site does, but in a more relaxed, in-depth perspective. Best part of it all is we're talking to it you from a fan's point of view. I'm Mark Allison, and I'm joined by my man in Mexico City, Justin Quinn. What's up, Justin? Hey, how's it going? Pretty good, man. So today we were going to get into... Um, basically the regular season, the end of the schedule here, um, and, and how that's going to affect the playoff seedings, you know, how some injuries are going to affect the playoff seedings, uh, particularly in the Eastern conference, um, obviously. Um, so what, um, what's your uh, thoughts, Justin? Well, um, it seems like there are three basic tiers for the playoff race. Um, unless you've been living in a cave, I'm sure you're, you guys are all aware out there that Boston is definitely in the top end of that. Um, I would say there's a, a, a four tiers of teams altogether. Um, in the East, the top three kind of formed their own tier. Um, Boston, Cleveland, and Washington. Um, and it's a very, very tight race right now. Um, they're all within two games of each other. Um, and then past that, uh, I'm just going to go through these real quick and then we can, we can go back into it. Um, go for it. Yeah. Then in the middle of the pack, there's this four, four and fifth seed purgatory of Toronto and Atlanta, um, which kind of really affects where they're at as a club. Toronto, because of injuries and some recent additions, I think. Uh, they're working out better than, uh, you know, I, I anticipated. I usually, I think when people add people who are going to be playing major minutes into a new system, it usually takes a little step back, if not a big one. Um, but it doesn't seem to be affecting Toronto so much as the injury does. Um, and then Atlanta, um, they're getting older. Um, they haven't really added any big pieces. Um, and they're kind of, they're, they're so far behind the top three that it's possible Toronto could make a run for the third seed, but it seems pretty unlikely with this. More than likely, the only thing that I would see happening with those guys is maybe they change spots. Uh, but they're probably locked into that range. And then um, the fighting to stay in tier is what I'm kind of thinking of it as, which is Indiana, Detroit, and Milwaukee. Um, the Indiana could surge to grab the fourth seed, uh, but I think the rest of them are kind of all, you know, really likely to fall out, particularly with the last tier um, who are not currently in the playoff race, but Miami's been really good. They've been playing better than anybody um, in the league in the last month or so. I think they're like 20 and six or some crazy, ridiculous number like that, given the, the absolute mm-hmm. hot mess of a lineup that they're currently working with. It's basically Waiters Island is, is really the, the best term, I think, to describe the heat right now. Um, they're surging in Chicago and Charlotte. Um, they're looking terrible, as we discussed on the podcast. Charlotte just looks like they need to, excuse me, Chicago needs to blow it up. Um, yeah. But they theoretically still could. Um, they're, they're within a few games of the, the eighth seed, so they still could. Um, the Hornets, mathematically still possible, but they'd really have to rally uh, the way that Kemba did uh, with the tournament late season on uh, NCAA a couple of years back. Well, more than a couple of years at this point. Um, so those are the basic four tiers. Um, what are your thoughts on, on – you know, just some some top level basic stuff on that race. 
Um, well, so yeah, you're, I think you're a thousand percent right with, uh, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a three team race for those top three seeds. I can't see, um, Toronto or Atlanta catching, I mean, Toronto based with, with Lowry out and, and, and how long is he, he, is he out for, you know, he's out till at least mid April, right? I mean, yeah. So that, that's, they're, they're gonna, I mean, they're just, I don't, I can't see them coming. They're two and a half games back from Washington right now for the third spot. And, um, you know, I mean, but they haven't been playing terrible, but at the same time, that's, uh, um, that's kind of a tall order and, and they have a pretty tough schedule coming up too with, uh, Oh, geez. Let me see. Well, I'll get back to the schedule in a second. But, but the, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. And I mean, the Celtics and Washington, both relatively healthy with Cleveland. Obviously, they're missing Kevin Love. Um, they haven't been playing their best basketball lately. And, um, they still have a two and a half game cushion. Could be enough to, for them to hold on to that top spot. But I'm not sure that the, it even really matters to Cleveland that they get the top spot. I mean, no. I, I would be more. I think it's more likely that they start sitting James for games and trying mm-hmm. to get him rested and a hundred percent Kyrie too um, going into the playoffs because I think their health is more important than them having the first seed. I agree, and I think that they they may be even more inclined to rest LeBron um, in some of the. We'll, we'll cover the schedule in a minute, but um, I just saw some favorable news on Twitter. I can't remember who tweeted it about Kevin Love uh, possibly rejoining them during their – we'll talk about it in a minute, but they have a really, really rough road trip coming up, and it sounds like Kevin Love's going to rejoin the team then. So if that does end up happening, that'll be a really huge deal for them and possibly us also. They may, they may in light of the fact that he looks like he's going to be healthy, just seed the first seed to us, but we'll get into that in a second. Mm-hmm. So what about uh that that um so you mentioned the the Toronto Atlanta purgatory what about the guys you know the teams who are really like on the edge on either side of the lottery at the moment we um, talking the bottom the bottom of the draft there the bottom half the uh, yeah Indiana Detroit Milwaukee on one side of the line and then Miami Chicago Charlotte on the other mm-hmm. so I mean based on um. Uh, I mean, these teams, they're all, I mean, you can take them and leave them. I guess that Milwaukee's probably been playing the best, uh, and Miami as well. Uh, they're probably the playing the best too of all those teams, at least as of late. Um, those, those are the two scarier of the teams, I think, to make it at the bottom. I mean, they're, you know, Milwaukee's interesting. Um, and, and the Heat, like you said, have been playing since, I think, the start of January. They've been playing, like, out of their minds. So, because they were way out of it earlier in the year. Um, and it, it's kind of remarkable because they don't really have, you know, I mean, they have Hassan Whiteside and Justice Winslow. But, I mean, geez, that it's... What was that for the year? Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. Hassan's been injured. I'm not sure. I think he's back, but... Um, I, he is playing now because I saw him. But, but even still, like, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, maybe Spolster's best coaching job of his career. I'm I'm a little you know nervous. I don't think that he can maintain that kind of. Uh, but they could get they could get as high as the sixth seed mathematically, particularly if they stay this hot. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we have to worry about um, necessarily getting beat by them. But like, if we end up facing them in the first round, they could really grind on the team in mm-hmm. a way that I was hoping. 
Somebody more like Detroit or Indiana. I would gladly rather have either of those teams or Chicago really? because I worry about Indiana. Also, Indiana's the other mm-hmm. guys down there because, like, let's say Paul George decides to really turn it on. Yeah, you know, and he starts really, you know, he he just like totally all cylinders start hitting. It could be a scary team. I could see that going to seven. But we've got some defenders that Paul George doesn't scare me as much as a guy like Anaktumpo or what, uh, however you say it, um, on the Bucks. I think he would be, uh, uh, I said Jonas. Yeah, yeah. I think he would be a much worse matchup. So like if we ended up in the two seed and the Bucks ended up in the seventh seed, that team would probably scare me more than any other team in the first round. Interesting. I, I just think he's a, I mean, he's a, he's a remarkable player and he's a tough defend. And as much as we, you know, our smaller guys are better at defending, I think, those guards and maybe those those wing players like a Paul George than, than a guy like him who's just an absolute freak. So let's let's back up and then jump ahead a little bit. Mm. Um the the top three teams um of the three top teams, Cleveland, Boston, Washington in that order at the moment, um which teams um Okay, so the, the those three teams have the best odds, obviously, of of getting the top seed. Probably the only chance, realistically, um, is whoever ends up uh, coming out on top of the Boston Washington matchup. Though that's that's debatable, and you know Cleveland resting. But most important to all of these things, and what has five thirty eight. Um, assigning Boston the highest odds for stealing the one seed is the strength of schedule that's remaining. Mm-hmm. So, Cleveland has I think it's 16, 16 games left when I re- were recording this. Um, mm-hmm. And that includes 10 difficult games against Utah, the Clippers, um, Washington, Spurs, Boston, Toronto, and Atlanta two times. Uh, which is part of that really hard road trip that the the Cavs are going to be going on, mm-hmm. um, that uh, Kevin Love might be rejoining them. And they only have six games against sub-500 clubs. Boston, um, well, I'll come, I'll come back to Boston in a second, even though they're in second place. Mm-hmm. Washington um, has six games that are going to be very difficult for them left on the schedule of their remaining 16, um, including Boston, the Boston game I was just talking about, Atlanta, um, a matchup with Cleveland, which is also could be really important for this whole seeding um, situation, the Clippers, Utah, and then Golden State Warriors. Um, the, the, the Wiz have 10 games left versus sub 500 clubs, um, which is much better. You know, that's going to help them out a lot, um, compared to Cleveland, who has a really, really rough of, of the three. They have the roughest schedule. Yeah. I'm Boston, looking, looking at it now, they definitely do. <laughs> yeah. They have a, that murderer's row, man. That is just right. so hard. Um, Boston, um, who's only two back compared to Washington's 2.5 games back, um, only has 15 games left, including only three hard games left against the Wizards, the game I was just talking about, Cleveland, which is probably, in my opinion, going to be the game that really decides the seeding once mm. and for all. Um, barring any late season collapses uh, that I'm not going to talk anymore about. And then they have another hard game against Atlanta, with 11 total games against sub 500 clubs, which I know, I know recently thinking about Phoenix and whatnot, we're going to be thinking about, um, 
how worrisome we've performed against sub 500 clubs, but I think we're like 20 and five or 20 and six versus sub 500 clubs for the season. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't worry about that too much. Um, but then, um, that, that brings into the question of favorable matchups. So if the season ended today, Cleveland would be looking at, I think, Milwaukee. We would be looking at Detroit in the second seed, and Washington would be looking at Indiana with Toronto and Atlanta destroying themselves for that four or five matchup. Um, I think that, in my opinion, the second seed is, you guys might want to kill me for this, but I think that the second seed, after doing these calculations, um, might be the most favorable path for Boston to the Eastern Conference Finals, because then Cleveland is going to end up with Toronto, and then Boston against Washington in the second round, which is not, you know, I don't want to play Washington for a playoff series. If I, I can think be a, it. that's going to be a hell of a series, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, a tough one at that. But I mean, in terms of excitement, that's that Cleveland and Toronto and Boston, Boston versus versus Washington. That's must see. Yeah, I mean, more. especially since Toronto's been like that number two team these last couple of years. I mean, so they've kind of you know uh, built that you know. They, they can't get past the Cavaliers, and uh, so there's a little rivalry there. And then what, what we've seen from Boston and Washington, we had the funeral game, yeah. the, you know, the fight after the other game. So a yeah. uh, couple of uh, – that would be a, that would be a pretty cool second round of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, like, I think we can beat Washington. I really, really do. I don't really believe in the additions that they made. Um, I think that, you know, the, the being in a new system and playing for a team that might actually do something mm-hmm. has provided them with some boost. But I, I just I don't believe I don't believe that they are a lock to beat us in the second round. Um and as an, as a counterexample, if Washington had the second seed, um we'd have Cleveland facing Milwaukee um, Washington facing Detroit and then Boston facing Indiana with Toronto and Atlanta still doing their thing. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, like the, the, I, I still think it's not going to be that different of a, of a scenario. We'd still end up with Cleveland, Toronto, Washington, Boston. Um, I think I, I'm, I'm saying Toronto here for both Cleveland matchups um, mm-hmm. because I just don't think Atlanta has the, the legs to do it. But um, in this situation, um, I, I, I'm not real crazy about having to face up with Indiana. You seem to be more comfortable with that. But then if Boston have the first seed, we face Milwaukee, which I, I, I assume you're not a fan of. Not a fan. No, <laughs> but, but I mean, you know, do we have another regular season matchup with them? Versus who? Uh, Milwaukee. I think we might have two, if I remember. I was gonna because I don't. Have we haven't played them yet, have we? Oh, uh, I think we played them oh, early, once. early in the season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Check. Um, I can't remember off the top, but we only we don't we only play them three times because they're not. That's in right, because they're not in the right. Yeah. Yeah. So that sounds about right. Um, let us know if we're wrong. Yeah, I'm looking. <laughs> um, no, not you. Any, anyone? Anyone who's listening? Do, 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 do. So yeah, well, we have Milwaukee as the last game of the season, and uh, we have them again the 29th. It's a Wednesday night, end of March, too. Both at okay. home, so we've played them once on the road already. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so in that situation, um, we have probably Milwaukee, maybe Miami. I would say more likely 
Milwaukee. Um, I think they get leapfrogged by Miami uh, for the seventh seed, but maybe Miami. Either way, it's it's going to be like I think that's a win either way, but it's going to be a win that really drags on the team. Um, and we'll, both of those teams, I think, will really grind on the Celts in different ways. Um, Cleveland would face Detroit and have a cakewalk. Washington would face Indiana, which I think would be a pretty compelling series for, for just for watching. And again, Toronto, Atlanta doing their thing. Uh, but that would give us uh, Toronto in the second round, which I do not want. Yeah, for, for whatever reason, they've been our kryptonite this year. And, yep. and granted, we played them uh, last without Bradley, but even still, um, they've been, uh, yeah, a t- tough matchup, which is kind of surprising because it's not like they have anybody huge that mauls us in the paint, which is what I would think would be the, our biggest problem. But um, for, for whatever reason, they're, they're just a tough matchup. Well, I think part of it at least is because our defense is, is primarily geared towards perimeter defense and doesn't, doesn't ignore the mid range, but isn't really built in the same mm-hmm. way to defend against it as effectively and mm-hmm. it bucks the spacing up. Um, and DeRozan has been, you know, that's, fire. that's, that's his game right there. Right. Yeah. And yeah, that, you're, you're, you're probably spot on with that. Well, it's just a theory. Um, Cleveland would be facing Washington in this scenario, which um, I think would probably be the toughest potential um, second round matchup they're going to be looking at uh, besides Boston. Mm -hmm. Um, In this scenario, um, I, this is this for me, I am actually really nervous about the idea. Like, I'm not going to say we shouldn't go for the first seed, but I do, I do think that it should, that, in my mind, um, the, the most important thing is to make sure that everybody's healthy. Um, I've heard rumblings um, that they're not going to really be resting players for the most part. Um, I, I assume that what they will do instead is to lower the minutes with similar rotations for the starters. Yeah, I, I saw you tweet something about that. I think that's that's definitely probably the route they'll go i mean brad has no problem digging deep into the bench and and you know some of these games he'll just be able to just go a little deeper yep. <laughs> for, or at least for longer periods of time maybe just to see who can be like you know the seven eight nine yeah you want to round out the bottom of your rotation right exactly mm-hmm. yeah i think that's i think that's probably a lock i mean if if anybody on the team needs a blow it's probably isaiah and at the same time it's going to be you know hard to get him keep him off the court although they've done a pretty good job lately of keeping him out of games in the fourth quarter when uh, the Celtics are up big I would like to see Bradley and Horford right around 25 minutes for the rest of the season unless they're Mm -hmm. really humming against opponents Mm -hmm. that aren't going to be guarding them real real hard I I think I think you'll see Bradley play a little more than the next couple of weeks just to get him back into, you know, his um, regular minutes, you know, where he could play 30-plus minutes. But yeah. I think after that, they'll probably scale him back a little bit. Yeah, particularly because the season starts to get uh, easier towards the end of the, end of the year. Right, football. right. So, and they'll, they'll definitely have some opportunities to do that. So there's some other factors also to consider. Um, I only organized our data um, for our cheat sheet. Um, to cover the top five seeds just because I, I don't really think that anyone lower than Atlanta is going to really be someone that we need to be thinking about in terms of um, playoff preparation. Um, 
not any more than any regular game anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and to start with is we touched on this a little bit, um, injuries and new additions. Um, Cleveland is working through, um, a bunch of different injuries. Uh, J.R. Smith just came back with his thumb injury. Love is looking better. Um, hopefully he's going to be back by the playoffs with that knee cleanup that he had. Um, we all know about Andrew Bogut and his leg and his one minute, not even, of <sighs> playing time. Um, Corver has also been dealing with just nagging minor injuries that have him sit this game, sit the next game. Um, he's probably going to be able to play, but I mean, He's, he's getting up there and it's starting to affect his game. So, um, he's something else to keep an eye on. They signed Sanders, um, Larry Sanders. Um, but he, uh, as both of us have been so keen to point out, has been away for two years. Um, then the Williams, the Williams non brothers, uh, Duran and Derek, uh, both taken off of waivers, I think, or if not waivers, um, just outright once they cleared. Mm-hmm. Um, Daron, um, very injury prone. He's doing great. He's worked his way right into the rotation and is doing good as a backup point guard, but he needs to keep his minutes low because of those injury, injury yeah, tendencies. I, I think if he's healthy though, he's a great addition for them. You know, oh, um, I mean, that's, that's, that's really tr- a tremendous, a tremendous signing. Way better than Bogut or anything else that, that could add. Cause like LeBron said, they needed another playmaker. On the bench, and, playmaker. Yeah, and, and yeah, and you know he's he's obviously he can do that, and it, I think it's the best thing for him to be able to do that in a limited role on a team surrounded by you know talent. So I mean, it, it's going to make him even better. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I was actually. No, I'm happy for LeBron. I'm not happy. We'll probably have to face him. Um, <laughs> How can you say that? <laughs> oh, I can say, like, at this point in time, I am no longer, like, I want the Warriors to lose. Because yes. it's, isn't it? Isn't it amazing how that's happened? I, I yeah. mean, how is it? When was it? Because I rooted for this Warriors team when they first, you know, you know, the, the, when they first came out, when they first won, went to the, the, the finals, I wanted them to beat LeBron. And then... Just somehow last year, even before the Durant stuff, I totally flipped. And, you know, I, I, I don't exactly – I can't really pinpoint when that was. Can you? Uh, I think it was right around the time that – it's not really a single instant, but it's about maybe a two-month period where Draymond Green's leg and people's <laughs> yeah, that certainly was a factor. becoming more acquainted. <laughs> right. But, that and, was that was that started to put me like okay I just like him mm-hmm. and that it didn't sour me on the rest of the team um from a from a fan perspective um obviously Celtics are my my main team but I you know like I'll, I'll root for teams when when it's you know not going to negatively affect the Celtics sure right um and I I liked watching their game it was fun but um then then once they kind of went away from something you know they they made a big deal of the fact that much of their um, ascendancy came from internal growth. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as they flipped that on their head and added Durant and, and gutted the team that they built from within for the most right. part, they did have some big free agent signings, mm-hmm. um, to, to add to their depth. Um, but they kind of just like, it's, it's really hard to, to root for a team unless you're already a fan of the team or a bandwagoner, um, that has done something like that. You know, I, now I kind of got a feel for maybe how people felt in 2007 about the Celtics. Sure. Yep. 
You know, I mean, and we all saw how it happened with the people who used that blueprint to build Miami um, and the Cavs, really, for that matter, in, in its current iteration. And now the onus has gone to these guys off of the, the Cavs. And, like, I'm not saying that, like, you know, I'm a fan with a capital F of LeBron, but, like, I like it when the players get their way. I like it when management listens. I like it when people stop claiming poverty, when they are, you know, literally the reigning NBA champions and making plenty of money. They're not losing money. They just got a, a, a huge free subsidy from the taxpayers of the, the city of Cleveland for a new stadium. I mean, yeah, but we are way off track. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So we, we'll, we'll, that's fine. Well, but we can, uh, so back to, back to the, where, where, where did we leave off before we, uh, oh, Williams, Derek. Oh, Derek Williams, the Williams. Yep. You, who in a, in a conversation we were having recently, uh, was talking about how he reminded you of, um, Oh, who was it? It was the, the hair. Oh, Gerald Wallace. Gerald Wallace. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was Gerald Wallace. Yeah, we Gerald were talking Wallace. about how he looked. I looked. I remember I'm watching a Cavs game and a, a random Cavs game. It wasn't against the Celtics. And I'm saying to myself, every time I see Derek Williams, I get flashbacks of Gerald Wallace. But well, it's, I think that's about what we can expect from him. Yeah, I mean, well, he's played pretty well on that team too. Um, you know, in very limited minutes, um, hustle he, guy, which is yeah. not something that he was known for necessarily. So he's kind of developed that. Well, he kind of has to. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> sure, you got to. Right, he's scrapping, right? But, 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 hey, it, it's working. Um, and, you know, like all of these new additions seem like they are working okay, except for maybe Smith, who's been a little bit rusty. Um, shocker, I know Smith, J.S. Yeah. Smith being kind of... Well, he was know, lights out last shit. year, so he's due for a bad year. So, I mean, yeah. that's <laughs> the J.R. Smith uh, stratosphere. Um, what else? So, Boston didn't really have any major moves at the deadline, um, which is, you know, I think good for continuity. Um, there's the recent injuries, uh, Bradley's Achilles, Horford's elbow, um, Marcus Smart and Crowder have both had ankle issues, so they, they might not see as much time, but I don't, I don't really think that's gonna be- It seems like they've both shaken them at least to the point where it's not affecting them, you know. Well, Crowder's looked really good recently. Yeah. Like he, he was for a long time looked like he was kind of like- Yeah, at the start of the season, you're right. Mm-hmm. And like in the last maybe I don't know how long it's been. I've just been paying attention. Seems to like it's been a couple of months now, but you know, month at least, least yeah. yeah. He doesn't seem like he's afraid to take it to the rack. He doesn't seem like nope. he's cut. Yep, and he's been and right, and that was the knock on at the beginning of the year was he wasn't able to stay in front of a lot of guys, and uh, it doesn't seem like he's having an issue with that anymore either. Yep. Um, Washington, uh, they added Brandon Jennings, uh, Boyan Boyanovic. I can never say his name. That's my best shot. Please feel free to let us know if I totally murdered that. <laughs> uh, and uh, Chris McCullough, um, none of whom I believe in at present in the postseason. None of those guys have ever really played in the postseason. And I do think that Boyanovich in particular um, has been a lot better. But, I mean, if you are coming off of the nets, um, how could you not feel better about your situation and try harder? Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not really sold on that. 
Um, they don't have any major issues in terms of health, but I mean, we have one guy, um, Bradley Beal, who's on a permanent minutes restriction before age 25. That's not scary. Yes. (laughs) And John Wall has dealt with some minor issues this year, so they probably should consider some, some, some rest at some point. Also, Toronto added Ibaka and Tucker, both looking great. Um, they had me nervous, as you probably all have guessed. Um, the Lowry injury will probably keep them in that range. Um, and DeRozan and Carroll have both been dealing with some minor to fairly, um, noteworthy injuries. I think DeRozan has missed probably six or eight of these games this season because mm-hmm. of that ankle issue, which can pop back up. Um, and Atlanta has been basically fine other than Dunleavy, um, who's kind of been like on the last, like on life support for his career this season. <laughs> you know, it's not his fault. It's no. just like tendinitis and just stuff that you can't really control and just like it creeps up on you. I mean, I'm dealing with it right now. I, I finally have started going back to the gym after like months of, of skipping because of broken ribs and torn muscle and, um, Boys and girls, do not use the the torso uh, machine where you do the the, the core rotation uh, too aggressively. It is the worst thing you can do to yourself. Um, so I mean I don't blame Dunleavy for for taking his time coming back because it's so easy to re-injure yourself once you're over 35. Mm-hmm. Um, what else we have? Uh, rest. So we already talked about Cleveland and probably I mean they're likely to at least. Um sit LeBron for a few games anyways, and Kyrie, I would think. I mean, um, what do you think? Um, I think they should. Um, the Lakers game on the 19th for them seems like an obvious choice. Philadelphia probably also. Now, what, now, what, now you're thinking here. Mm-hmm. You think that – because it seems like some of the teams have a disparity here. When it comes to resting players, do you rest them against a team that you think you can beat without – them there, like you just said, uh, uh, playing against the Lakers or Philadelphia, or do you sit them against a, a, a game that would be a hard-fought game? Say you're playing this, you're Cleveland. Let's say it's a game against the Spurs or a game against the Warriors. You know where, you know, as does it does it make more sense to just take the the loss on those games? Or well, I mean, I'm not sure. That's... I, I I understand your logic, and I think if you're more middle of the pack, and particularly for the lower guys, mm-hmm. um, Toronto down. Um, I think that you may actually want to gun particularly – it really depends because if it's a team like – I if mean, if you're Cleveland, you don't need to prove anything beating anybody. We we all know that they can beat anybody on any given night. Yeah, and that's that's why I have them like for some very capital M maybe resting versus the Lakers in Philly and maybe even Orlando on the 4th of mm-hmm. next month. Yeah. Just because – it's not really they, – they can really mail it in. It's like an all-star game for them mm-hmm. in that situation. Um, so they might play. Um, See, I think you're right here with Cleveland, and they would start – they would sit – let's say they sat Kyrie and LeBron. They would do it against a team like Philly or Orlando because it, this is beneficial to their younger guys playing against – you know, playing in probably a close game against um, – you know, for their bench players anyways – um, against, you know, subpar competition. Whereas if you're a team like maybe the Celtics who use these big wins to like fuel them, you know, like that they're, they're, you know, after beating Cleveland and Golden State, we don't even have the greatest record over the last two weeks. We're like five and five, but 
people are taking us a lot more serious because of those two big wins. Well, because they, they recognize that based on how those wins happen and the efforts provided by Cleveland and mm-hmm. right, I mean, those look Cleveland. like they both look like playoff games. Yeah, they, both teams are trying very hard to win those games, um, and rightly so, based on their own individual seating situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of feel like you're right. I feel like okay, so I have down the two remaining Brooklyn games, Philly, Phoenix, and Orlando as potential rest nights for Boston. Mm-hmm. But I feel that Philly um has been so close this season. Um even with even without like being out when we yeah. have played them, that we will probably not rest. We'll probably do just do lighter minutes for the starters in that game, and as well as also Phoenix just because of what happened last time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Orlando Orlando seems like they're in full on tank mode, but I mean so did Phoenix. So yeah. I can see them skipping that. So I really think that the only definite nights of rest that Boston's going to take for the rest of the year is against the two Brooklyn games. Yeah, I, I think that I think you're close. I think what you're you're thinking with the 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 limited minutes is more likely for the Celtics in terms of rest. You know, you play Isaiah twenty minutes instead of you know thirty five or whatever, and and that's how they're going to give these guys a break, and they'll be able to do that. You know, over you know as many games as they feel comfortable. Yeah, that last Brooklyn game is the last week of the season, so I think that that mm-hmm. maybe that any other. That's and even even maybe the last game too against Milwaukee, depending on if playoff seating is um, locked Decided. up. Maybe both teams are sitting guys for that game based on you know that they're both either clinched or at least in the position that they're comfortable with. What do you think about Washington resting though? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, do you, how much do you think that they're gonna they're gonna want that second seed or that or that first seed? You know. Well. If I were them, um, I would go for it um, because you can't predict how well they're going to do in the playoffs. But if they can lock up the number one seed, even if they get bounced in the first round, that is, in my mind, probably better than finishing with the second seed, beating a terrible team in Detroit or Milwaukee in a sweep. Well, that's the terrible team, but comparatively speaking. Um, and then just like getting destroyed and with whoever they, they face in the second round. Like I actually think that, that getting the number one seed for them is a good way to hedge, um, against their, their impending free agency situation because they're going to have to decide what to do with Otto Porter. And mm-hmm. unless I'm mistaken, that's going to be the last of their cap room. Um, so if they can, if they can convince a free agent to sign with them before they do that, um, that then they can then help. they can they can extend him with bird rights, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then we just have Toronto and Atlanta um in terms of rest. I don't really think either of them are going to rest, but they might because you know more than anybody else in the playoff race, they have almost nothing at stake. Mm-hmm. Um Toronto has games against Dallas and Philly. That could be rest, and Atlanta has games, two games against Brooklyn, which are almost certainly going to be rest, and one against Phoenix and one against Philly. Mm-hmm. I think maybe Atlanta might be the more likely of of the two to not rest players because they might be able to steal the fourth seed. Right. Yeah, it's it's, it's certainly plausible. The you know, but um. Yeah, you know, we'll see. And we're like we were saying, Lowry's out till mid-April at least, right? Um, 
probably. And then there's the issue of reintegrating them. I actually just had a brain fart. You know, now that I think about it, Atlanta might rest all of those nights to keep the fifth seed because who are they going to end up facing most likely mm-hmm. if they keep the, if they end up in the fourth seed? Uh, I guess it depends on who ends up with the <laughs> one, one seed, right? <laughs> I mean, at least for right now, it looks like it's going to be Cleveland. And if yeah. that holds true, then I could mm-hmm. – there's so many different ways this could go, um, particularly this far out. But it's really interesting to think about the possibilities. Um, for some key dates, uh, just to try to wrap it up since we're getting a little bit yeah, later yep. than we intended. Um Let's see. We've got Cleveland with that super hard closing um, road trip. Miami um, away at Atlanta, home at Atlanta, and then Miami and Toronto. I think those are both away games. Mm-hmm. That has got to be the roughest end to a season that anybody has. I mean, if it was anybody but Cleveland, I would I would probably write it off as a losing road trip. Um, and that game, the game we play, not I think it's the second to last week of the season against them. Um, we play them at home. That could really, that, in my mind, that's going to be barring losing to Washington when we play them and, and a couple of other unexpected losses. That could be the thing that really decides the seeding. Mm-hmm. Because yep. even if we lose to Washington in the last regular season matchup, in my mind, their, their schedule is hard enough where we could probably make the ground still, up. Still, right. Still, still, especially since we're the ones that are up a half a game right now, too. So, um,. <clears throat> So, yeah, we've got that Boston-Washington matchup this coming Monday on the 20th. That is going to be a big deal. That yes. is probably if – you, if you don't watch any other games this season, the, the Cleveland matchup and the Washington matchup, those are the, those are the ones to be keeping an eye on. Um, Washington, um, they like we said, they have us. They also have a matchup against Cleveland which might be worth watching depending on uh, how seating is breaking down. That's going to be on the 25th near the end of the month for you guys who are interested. Um, yeah, that's about all I can think of. Yeah. So anything else, uh, anything else you want to um, talk about before we wrap up? Um, well, I should have another edition of the um, draft deadline uh, series where you guys, the, the listeners slash readers, Give me a hint on who it is we should be keeping an eye on for each pick. I think we're going to be moving into some of the higher second round range for this next one. Um, in my opinion, the draft is super, super deep, maybe as deep as it's ever been in terms of players likely to stick, if not necessarily stars. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nothing like the 96 draft, for example, that is just, that was just insanely deep at the top end. Um, but it's a really good draft. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I'm sure we'll have lots of other articles uh, dealing with playoff seeding. It's almost going to be like a mini doldrums, I think, of the season for the, for the next week or two until we start to have a clear idea of which direction the seeding is going to be going. Mm-hmm. Um, no real exciting games, I think, until that Monday game. Um, and, yeah, that's all I can think of. You got any stuff you're working on? Uh, no, so today I had a little fun. We put I put up a uh, piece on uh, – um, Breaking down, this is this is um, if you if anybody follows the Celtics beat writers on Twitter, you'll know that they they like to they they you know they cover these some ridiculous ridiculous statistics throughout the year that they'll keep track of, and it's pretty funny stuff. And Chris Forsberg is probably the funniest of them. And he has he broke down Marcus Smart's statistics via hairstyle, mm-hmm. Kelly Olynyk's statistics via man bun versus headband, 
and also um, whether Brad Stevens wears a tie to games or not. So you guys can check that out. And um, don't forget to check out the links at the top of CelticsLife.com. we got a huge variety of shirts and hoodies in the store, and you can even get tickets to the next game. Uh, you can find the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, SoundCloud, and MixCloud. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, be sure to rate us five stars. If you don't like something or have a suggestion, make sure you let us know. We're always looking to bring you the coverage that you want the way you like it. I'm Mark Allison, and for my buddy Justin Quinn, we'll see you next time. Take care.